Hi, you're about to listen to Dirty Laughs Podcast. When life doesn't give you the success you planned, grab a microphone and your three best friends and put on a show anyway. Yo. Hello, hello, hello. What's happening? Welcome to Dirty Laughs Podcast, where we're writing a musical and talking all things creative. Ooh, giving up on life. Ailish is drinking wine today, so I haven't given up just yet. <laughs> I'm also on the wine. Yay. I am not on the wine. I've got wine, I've got chocolate, and that's how we're moving tonight. I've got some squash. Because I'm a child. <laughs> Saturday, I will be drinking, preparing to go to an airport where I'll be drinking for a week. Yeah, you're going skiing, right? I am. Oh, so jealous. Very jealous. I'm going skiing and I'm going to be dancing on tables to Apres music with two beers in hand, living my best life. <laughs> what country are you going to? Andorra. Oh, I've never been there. It is located between Spain and France. Do you know, I actually didn't know that. I think there's a part of me that thinks Andorra might be in like Africa, but I must be thinking of another country. I don't know why I, I thought Italy, like the Alps. A lot of people think it's in Italy because there's somewhere in Italy that sounds like Andorra that isn't Andorra. Yeah. Look at me knowing geography. Who'd have thunk it? And then just after you get back, I'm going to France. Ooh. So the next time we actually meet, Sam, where are you going? <laughs> you can get stuffed. Get <laughs> Stuff. I'm going somewhere. You are. You're going places in life. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let's get stuck in. Behind the We've got a good one. Oh, I should hope so. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. <gasps> I love Sweeney Todd. Oh, I feel you, Joanna. Oh, that was sort of tune on my behalf. I should not eat chocolate, drink wine, and sing at the same time. <laughs> wow. I think that's what vocal coaches tell you to do, no? Yeah, that's, you know what? That is what your first day of drama school is. They crack open a bottle of Pinot. Dish out all the dairy milk. <laughs> Imagine. This is it, lads. Off you go. What good is sitting alone in your room? <laughs> Um, anyway, we have not actually yet done a Sondheim musical in this section. Really? Why not do my favourite one? I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Firstly, if you're not aware of Sweeney Todd, please go and listen to it, watch it, whatever you need to do, because it's fantastic. It tells the story of a barber in the 19th century who is out for revenge on the people who hurt him and his family many, many years earlier, and he ends up murdering people while he's shavering, shavering them. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Thursday, everybody. We're like recommend. one minute in and it's happened already. <laughs> Sorry. So, he ends up murdering people while shaving them and then his friend mrs lovett cooks them into pies and sells them in her pie shop it is written by the godfather of musical theater mr stephen sondheim i'm not going to go into detail about him because we've talked about him on the podcast before if you want to find out more about him go and sort of search stephen sondheim which i would recommend sweeney todd was originally a character in a victorian story or series of stories that were published weekly called The String of Pearls, and it went on to become something of an urban legend in Victorian London. They have not been able to trace who wrote the actual original stories, but apparently in Victorian times, a common trade was that of the barber-surgeon. I, I beg your pardon. 
<laughs> so surgeons didn't really exist, but obviously surgery did need to happen. So barbers often doubled as surgeons because they had, and this is genuinely what I read, they had sharp knives. Ah. <laughs> uh. I'd be like, nah, you know what? I know I know my appendix is burst and stuff, but I'll give it a miss. So the story goes that at the front of a barber surgeon's shop, you would find a red and white striped pole, like the red and white striped pole that is in front of Sweeney Todd's shop. And you can see them in front of a lot of barbers these days. They all, yeah, they spin around. Back in the day, that represented a barber surgeon because the red represented blood and the white represented napkins because you use them when taking blood from someone. I, I am never going to look at a barber's the same ever again. That's going to take up space in my brain that's really unnecessary. So it is obviously speculated that was part of the inspiration behind Sweeney Todd. Also, in the 1800s, there was a lot of writing and articles about someone in France who had committed a load of murders and may have been working with a neighbouring pastry chef who would cook the victims in their pie and sell them for real. So again, there's a good chance that that was linked into the inspiration behind the character of Sweeney Todd. So the story was very, very popular to the extent that before the final chapters had even been published, it was already being turned into stage plays because everyone was obsessed with it in London. But most adaptations focus on the character of Sweeney Todd solely as a villain without going into any kind of backstory. But in 1973, there was a play by Christopher Bond that explored a backstory and delved deeper into his pain and motivation. And Stephen Sondheim went to see this play in Stratford and he was immediately inspired that this could become a musical. He believed that adding music would elevate it emotionally and would draw in audiences that don't know about the history of Victorian London. 80% at least of the musical involves music in some way, which is the most of any Sondheim musical ever, apparently. When Sondheim first brought the musical to his frequent collaborator, the director Harold Prince, he wasn't really interested. He thought it sounded melodramatic and a bit boring, but he did help to shape some of the vision. And Sondheim and Prince actually disagreed. So where Sondheim believes that Sweeney Todd is at its heart a story about a man that's obsessed with his own bitterness and revenge and believes that we can all actually relate to that in some way, that it's like that part of you that you wish didn't exist. Whereas Harold Prince believed that it was a metaphor for all of the many Sweeney Todds that are walking around having been churned out by this factory that is society and then become soulless and defeated. They're not unlike each other. No, definitely see both sides. When it came to the casting, Sondheim had known straight away that he wanted the actress Angela Lansbury to play the role of Mrs. Lovett. He thought she would bring some much needed comic relief to the musical <laughs> because it is quite intense but she didn't want to do it because she was a big star and basically she wasn't taking roles where she wasn't the lead title character in the show i fully understand to be fair <laughs> me too Ange. me too babes <laughs> so sondheim auditioned for her and he wrote songs specifically for her to entice her into the musical and she did eventually do it and she did say that once she was on board and doing it she relished it and it was one of her favorite things she ever did and then his other first choice, but for Sweeney Todd, was the Canadian actor and singer Len Cariou. I probably pronounced that wrong, so I apologise. And essentially, the two actors were just left to their own devices, so there wasn't really so much direction given to them. They just rehearsed just the two of them, and they literally turned these words into characters and they're still the characters that we see today like it was Angela Lansbury who decided she wanted Mrs Lovett to be 
unhinged and a bit crazy but they also were very experienced actors particularly when it came to having creative freedom so I think they were the right people for that kind of situation and that process. It opened on Broadway in 1979 and it ran for nearly a year and a half before it closed. It was nominated for nine Tony Awards and it won eight of them including Best Musical so it was very well received. It had a US tour in 1980 and Angela Lansbury went on tour with it and the tour was recorded for TV and then that TV recording was then nominated for five Emmy Awards and won three of them. So even that was well received. And then it opened in the Theatre Royal Drury Lane in London's West End in July 1980 to mixed reviews in London. It didn't stay open as long. It actually closed a few months later in November but it did win the Olivier Award for Best Musical. Make up your mind, London! Yeah. <laughs> it's had multiple revivals on both Broadway and West End. It's kind of been everywhere since. The list of countries that it has been in was like never-ending. It's just had so many productions because I think it's unusual for a musical. It's dark, it's a bit twisted. You're not rooting for the lead character. But then you kind of are in a strange way because he's such a villain that you root for him and it's like, oh. Yeah, you're almost not really rooting for anyone. Everyone's kind of bad, but it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah everyone's bad. And then it did have a movie adaptation in 2007 starring Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter, which again was well received. I would say it's one of the most critically acclaimed musicals out there and it's certainly one of Sondheim kind of regarded as one of his best works and, and probably one of his most famous. So that's Sweeney Todd. Fantastic. The Demon Barber Fleet Street. We saw Sweeney Todd in a pie shop we did but i always remember that as being like fantastic that is one of my favorite shows i've ever seen you're all sat in the pie shop and they've got like the long tables and you sit on the tables and you eat your pie and mash and then the show starts i just remember when sweeney todd came out and the, he was backlit i was so scared i was like this is it he's gonna slit my throat now i've had pie and mash though i'm good like <laughs> <laughs> moving from very similar but son time into us. Oh. <laughs> so many similarities. Very similar. I also didn't like the way I said us. That made it feel like it was some kind of weird innuendo, which I didn't intend. <laughs> Moving into <laughs> us. <laughs> Time to write a musical. Harriet, you're going to do the rundown. It's going to be snappy. And then you're going to lead straight in because we're hearing from you today. So what is the musical that we're writing. We don't have a name for it yet, but it is about a person called Joe, and they have got a choice to make between staying in a job that they're not really that fond of and also going off travelling. They have got some past trauma with travelling and it is playing a part within their decision. Inside Joe's head, we have two other little people called Corey and Ali. Corey represents the heart, Ali represents the head, and... They are essentially helping Joe make the decision, but they don't know they're helping Joe make the decision. And we follow them on this journey. Perfect. <laughs> I'll give you a six out of ten. I'll take it. I'll take it and run. I would say it's the best version that you've done. Yeah. Harriet has been doing some work. We've kind of, the last few weeks, been looking at the same little segment, haven't we, of the musical, which is the bit where we first meet Joe and we kind of find out a bit about who Joe is. So... You've heard from me and you've heard from Sam. And now we're going to hear from Harriet. Take it away. It's quite long, but we move. Um, so here we go. Um, yeah. So the scene that Sam has just written um, where they are in the office and they've been asked to go see Big Boss Man. 
and they are going to go into a corridor and there's going to be like a corridor scene with a song there's going to be a nice transition where the desk twists around and suddenly we're in the manager's office so that's what's happened before corridor scene finishes and joe's desk slowly rotates and turns into their boss's desk joe is stood still processing the news she has just been given joe promotion boss yes You'd be fast-tracking a few steps people would normally take on the road to this particular role, but I think you're more than capable. There's obviously the jumping your pay grade as well, and we'll give you a little bonus for the amount of time you have spent with the company, Joe, but it's cut across by boss. I'll give you the week to process it, but honestly, there's no one better. Joe sits down slowly in the office chair as the boss leaves. The desk rotates around slowly and we see a similar scene to the corridor scene. The music is the same melody, the words, if there are any words, are different with a theme around choices and regret. And we see the desk has rotated round into a pub scene where Joe is joined by four friends. Friend one, well it's about bloody time they gave you something. Friend three, well I'll say we get a round in to celebrate. They point at each friend individually as they say Prosecco, Prosecco, Prosecco. Joe, hang on, I don't even know if I'm going to take it yet. There's a lot to think about. Friend four, what's to think about? Higher role, better salary and a bonus. They'd probably chuck in a company car if you ask nicely. Friend two, yeah, well, you know what they say. It's not what you know, it's who you know, eh, Joe? Friend three, ah, yes, the benefits of working for the family business. Friend four, in an undertone, the family multi-million pound business. Joe, oh, shut up, you know it's not like that. Friend one, oh Joe, we know you work hard for everything you have. Honestly, we do. Friend two, yeah. I mean, it does help when your granddad is the founder and your uncle's the CEO. Joe, see, this is one of the things I have to think about. People reacting like this, thinking I've just been handed it on a plate. Friend one, oh Joe, lighten up, they're just having a laugh. At that moment, friend five walks in and sits at the table. Friend five, I've done it. Friend four, done what? Friend five, booked the trip. Friend three, Shut up. No, you haven't. Friend five, sacked the job in and rented out the flat and I'll go in a week. Joe, wait, wait, wait. You've quit your job, rented out your home for a trip that will last how long? Friend five, three months. Friend one, ah, oh, fair play, mate. Joe's just got a promotion, by the way. Joe, haven't got it yet. Friend five, ah, oh, congrats. Perks of uh, being in the family business, eh, Joe? Friend five, shame though. I was going to ask if you wanted to come with me. Joe, what? Friend five, yeah, you, me. Actually, anyone who fancies it, to be honest. It's three months, six countries, trip of a lifetime. Joe and friend one glance at each other. Friend three, didn't you go travelling before with your ex? Joe, no, we decided it wasn't the right time. We'd be better off for us using the money to go to uni and focusing on our future. Friend four, what's the ex doing now again? Joe and friend one glance at each other again. Joe, something in tech, I think. I don't really know. Friend five, Weren't you friends with them? Friend one, whatever friend one's name will be. Friend one, looking shifty. Um, not really, just in passing. It was Joe and me that were housemates. They changed the subject as another friend goes to talk. So, six countries in three months. Where are you planning on going? Friend five. Well, insert cheesy travelling song, Big Bang Theory theme tune vibes involving a tap number. Song finishes. Friend one. Well, as thrilling as that sounds... I haven't got a promotion yet, and that doesn't sound cheap, so I will be passing on that one. Friend two, honestly, it just sounds like a lot of hard work, and I'm not about that. Friend five, clearly giving them a judgy look. Friend three, it sounds amazing, but me and John are saving for a mortgage, just not the right time for me. 
Friendful. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, there's just that small thing about me not being able to enter certain countries for another few years. Massive awkward silence falls. Friend five. So, Joe, one trip, two friends, three months, six countries. How about it? And see. Cool. Well done. That was good. Yeah, done. 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 We don't need to do any work. Done. done. That's it. You were nervous about that? Yeah. Oh, well done. You don't need to be nervous. It was good. And and relaxed. Yeah. And I can now Yay. Laugh. Every scene we write, like right now, everything that anyone presents is going onto a blank canvas. Yeah. Everything that anyone brings is good because it's the starting point. Yay. Gonna just jump into insert cheesy <laughs> travelling song. We got we gotta put these things in where we can. It's a question for us to come back to, but it may be a debate <laughs> when we come back to it. But that's okay. We can we can argue it. Oh we can argue it's fine. Um in my head, you know how the Big Bang theory is like um we build the pyramids, math science history, like all of that. I don't know. I just kind of got the we build the pyramids bit in my head I don't know if, if we felt it was the right thing to do I would do it but I do have a question about if we were to do a song saying please go travelling then I personally think we should also then do a song saying please take a promotion yeah yeah. I think we'd need to do all sides of it then so it's either like all or nothing is what I'm thinking very good point yeah we can come back to those things about what we want to do with it if we want to do that or not you know it may be that we argue it but it's okay for us to argue it yeah because that's the point in having a team of people isn't it <laughs> I, I just felt that I hadn't put a song in there and it might need one it might not need one but that was all that was in my head well it, there's plenty we can do with that like it may be that we do something like that it could be that we have Corey and Ali at the back doing something that they sing while the scene pours like there's there's actually quite a lot we could yeah, do there is actually, to insert yeah. music in if we wanted to um, but that is one of the options yeah I like how you use granddad and uncle instead of like mm. a parent yeah. I think like parents can be a bit of a cliche can't they when it's like oh it's the family business and my dad or my mum is like the boss whatever yeah honestly like good work yay yeah well done Harriet it was very bloody long but it covered everything I, I thought I've given Joe a week to make the decision slash giving us time to have a musical in the middle of that week but I figured that also gives us essentially content time but I mean like again change options it depends. I'd obviously just had something in my head. What was in your head? I was thinking it was more about what's going on in their mind at that moment. I think I was just imagining this, but I realised we probably never said this. It's just obviously what I had just assumed. I hear what you're saying, because that's just another option to, to kind of go somewhere else with it. That I was thinking more that we kind of cut between the pub, Joe realising things about themselves in that setting, maybe... And Corey and Ali. Oh, that's a good idea. They come together there and almost like the end of the pub scene is when they get the call and we don't know what decision they make. But I was, so that's what I had envisioned. Yeah. See, that that sounds really good. I like that idea as well. Because what you're saying, that's also a good suggestion. It's just a different one. We'd have to just think what we put in. If we're going to fill it out for a week, we don't want it to be pointlessly dragged out for a week. We'd want to like know that there is something in that week that's that's important to have in it. Yeah, I, I put a week there just as like an option for us. So like we could take it or we could leave it. Just because I didn't want it to be like, you must decide now. And now the musical's over. There are things for us to think about. It might be that we think about how we tie those scenes together and that's how we'll work out what we want in the middle. It might be as well that when we add in that bit before the promotion that 
that gives us some answers or something. And by flitting between them and Corey and Ali, it packs things out. And I think we'd be surprised at how much time this will all take up when we're actually putting it together as well. Mm. You know, I think in our minds, it seems like it's over in five minutes. But if you think like that scene probably took you five to 10 minutes to read out loud and that was one scene. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was great. Well done, Harriet. Good job. Yeah. Come and join Sam's social network. She's here for you. Okay, so it's Valentine's weekend and it's disgusting and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We we love Valentine's Day. We have a message from Catherine. Say hello, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Catherine. My name's Catherine of our record. Happy birthday to years of her Okay. She says, thank you so much, you three, for giving me and my partner, Joel. Mm. I have to say that, otherwise I sound like I'm saying Joe. So I said, Joel, <laughs> something to listen to over the new year. So as it's nearly Valentine's Day, can you please give him a big shout out and a big happy Valentine's Day? Shout out, Joel. Shout out, Joel. Usually I'd say, no, absolutely not. Because, you know, Valentine's Day is disgusting. But you two, I like you two. So, yes, happy Valentine's Day from your lovely girlfriend, Catherine. Happy Valentine's Day, Catherine and Joel. Happy Valentine's Day. And special shout out to Joel for listening to the podcast with Catherine. Yes, I like how you do it. It's like a couple's thing. Couple's that's thing. That's nice. Yeah, that's cute. Very it's nice. nice. Yeah. And then also, shout out to all you single ladies. All you single Single ladies. ladies. All you single single ladies. ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Right, Valentine's Day is on Monday. And that following weekend, I will be in Paris with my parents. The city of love. The weekend after Valentine's Day with my parents. Living it up. (laughs) Yes. That's how you celebrate Valentine's Day, everyone. <laughs> I will be spending Valentine's Day probably, I mean, it won't be jet lagged because it's Europe, but you know, I'll be a bit tired yeah, and like broken from skiing. <laughs> oh, the jet lag will get me. Oh my God, I just keep thinking it's nine, but it's only eight. She's 100% going to come home and be like, I'm so jet lagged, guys. You're not jet lagged, Harry, you're hungover, sharp. Oh, also, while we're in Sam's social network, We have had some response from my dad who asked us a question last week on the podcast. Oh! He has brought up, which we did not realise and I actually think is a fairly good point to make. It could also be used as a way to workshop or test out a musical. And the example he was giving was the musical version of Bonnie and Clyde I went to see that we talked about last week on the podcast. And we were referencing this idea that is there any benefit to doing a concert version versus a full stage show? they did two concerts so one day after the other and after the first one they announced that they were going to do a full run in London in the West End of Bonnie and Clyde so it is entirely possible that those concerts were actually a way for them to test out does the West End even want Bonnie and Clyde Mm. and the fact that it sold out within four minutes probably implies yeah people kind (laughs) of want it (laughs) so just an update that's good though that is also a very legitimate reason why a concert Mm. version actually does make a lot of sense if you're not we could work we could workshop our musical as a concert version well yeah exactly i think a lot of people probably do that don't they actually yeah it's such a good idea why don't you think of that yeah goodness sake you're like testing out the material (laughs) before you go full throttle i like it fantastic if 
you would like to get in touch, you can email us podcast at dirtylaughs.co.uk or you can like and follow us on Instagram at Dirty Laughs Podcast. The same for TikTok. Yay. Harriet's head scratcher. Scratch your head now. My question is, why does a heart on Valentine's Day not look like a heart? There is an answer. There is actually an answer. Say that again. Why does a heart... So a heart, like a Valentine's Day heart, you see on, you know, cookies and love hearts and cards and stuff. Why does it not look like a heart? Like a thump thump. Like a physical human heart. Yes. I love how I went for thump thump and you went for human heart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like a thump it's thump. It's a thump thump. <laughs> a thump thump. <laughs> you know the thing that thump 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 around your thump thump body. Thump thump. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Why does a heart not look like a heart? I don't know. Is it because it's just like a different thing? It's like a shape and then it's a physical object. I just thought a child probably drew it one time and they were like, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. gonna call it a heart. Like they yeah. being like I don't know, like the king or something. <laughs> the king of the world. <laughs> the king. <laughs> I am king. Right. Okay. So there is actually an answer for this one. So I'm just gonna read you out some spiel. The heart is a symbol of love and passion. Thought by ancient Greek and Roman thinkers, including Aristotle, that the origin of it was the centre of the emotions. While the heart symbol you see everywhere in February doesn't look anything like the actual human heart, though, is a little less clear. The symbol goes at least as far back as the 1400s, where it appeared on European playing cards to mark one of the red suits. And even though it might be older than that, the shape is pretty much a mystery. So there isn't an answer. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. There are a few different hypotheses explaining it, but none of them have been confirmed. Okay, so it's kind of an answer, but not an answer. So there's no bloody answer. It is for you to choose which one you like. That's the point of the head scratcher. They put it on a deck of cards. There you go. I like my answer. The king's child drew a picture of a heart and that's what it looked like. And he was like, we must now make my child believe that is a heart. And from forever on now, all around the world, that's what hearts look like. Okay. Another suggestion is... Um, <laughs> another possibility is the shape is a crude representation of a public mound, the vulva or a pair of breasts or a buttock. The pair of testicles... <laughs> whoa, even... whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, this is a family show. This is a family show. Uh, Oh, Amish, here we go. It may even have come from a poor attempt at drawing an actual heart. (laughs) Dances that no one knows. There's also some spiel about the Catholic Church as well. Um, Jesus, no, we're not going there. No. (laughs) I did. I was like, I'm going to leave this one out because it's been. We're not going there. Do you want to know my theory? You're going to hate it, Sam. Ailish, I think you'll vaguely appreciate it. I don't know. Why are you going to annoy me today? Because I do it every day. It's what I do best. This is literally my job to annoy you. So, my theory is that there was a psychopath who fell madly in love with someone and they didn't want to be with them, so they rejected them viciously. And so they stabbed them in the heart and then stabby, stabby, stab. And then they cut the heart out. And by the time they cut the heart out, it had been so stabbed and misshapen, it made a heart. And that's it. Oh, I'm quitting. I'm quitting this. I'm quitting the Zoom. I'm quitting the podcast. I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Harriet, what are you doing? I don't That's been my theory since I was a child as well. But there you go. Why would you say stabby, stab, stab? I love that. I hate it. That plays right into my watching true crime youtube videos at 1am mine yeah. see i knew sam would hate it but ailish would love it 
<laughs> imagine though like imagine the police right looked at the heart and went do you know what guys this should represent romance now yeah he really loved her though let's be fair he really loved her <laughs> sam's gonna literally now she's gonna get into bed for a early night snuggle in she's gonna snuggle in and then she's gonna lie awake thinking i'm just gonna get all snuggly <laughs> i've got the pjs on i'm gonna get all snuggly and i'm gonna think blood stabby stab stab yeah. heart stabby stab stab he carved the heart he, he carved the heart into a heart shape yeah. and he said that he loved her oh my god <laughs> no i'm actually gonna have a i'm gonna have nightmares well thank you harriet for that very romantic question <laughs> so romantic i've fallen in love with you all over again whatever it is that you're doing this valentine's day be it a date with your partner or a blind date with someone new or celebrating being single or not giving a shit about any of it have fun yeah and we will see you next time yay for more stabby stab stabs Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say fun, but I guess whatever your idea of fun is. I have no plans to murder my partner at current. 